hey, this is Richie coming at you from the School of Marketing HQ. Before you dive into the show, I just want to tell you about a brand new short 12-week program we've launched called the Giants Marketing Masterclass. The program gives you access to insights and expert comments from over 25 CEOs and CMOs from major companies like Unilever, L'Oreal, M&S, Pret, and WPP, just to name a few. We focus on six key areas of marketing, customer, brand, commercial, creative, channel, and data and analytics. So if you were looking to upskill yourself or your team for just two and a half hours each week and get access to a network with our industry's giants through our live sessions, do check out the School of Marketing website for more deets. Alrighty, for now, enjoy the show. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Places Will Go show. Once again, we have a fabulous guest with us, uh, Mel Matson, Marketing Director of the Co-op. Now I only met Mel a couple of months ago uh, and uh, I, I shamelessly pitched her as soon as the speeches and Q&A were over. It was a wackle dinner. Uh, Una King was speaking, um, brilliant spokesperson for diversity, vice president of diversity and inclusion at SNAP, former politician. Anyway, I actually thought that Mel stole the show a little bit uh, with her question and the way she spoke, uh, and very specifically around ADHD. So we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, and but what an illustrious career it's very specifically in retail marketing so i think mm. i think the list runs something like safeway sainsbury's asda iceland boots co-op with a with a little smidge of uh dunhumby in the middle uh and so you have had you, you like to well no the, sorry there's probably little Aldi, a few others but i mean in terms of the sort of the the retail marketing uh bingo you're you're pretty well advanced um, so you've had an amazing career, and um, we're going to get into that and find out a little bit about how it's rolled for you, Mel. Um, and I know it won't have always been perfect at all times, a bit squiggly along the way. Um, but it's an absolute pleasure to have you on, and I know that you will give us lots of great insight, us and our listeners, lots of great insight. So very welcome to the show, Mel. Thank you. Really, really excited to be here. Oh, Mel, honestly, it's great. Great to have you on. Um Let's dive right in. I mean, clearly we continue to have turbulent times. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Well, do you know what? I um, <laughs> I, I was speaking to this about someone, uh, with someone last night, actually. Um, I, I am one of these people who who don't really feel things at the time. I'm, 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 I'm very resilient in the moment. Um, and it'll only be when I stop and look back I'll go oh my goodness actually that was there was a lot going on there it was full on you know there's a lot going on in the economy um I'm, I'm not allowed the heating on um anymore and I would still have it on in the winter if uh, in the summer if I could um but you know, all of that going on there's quite a lot going on at work there's quite a few changes happening um in in co-op at the moment and so just a lot going on and um um, I, I am I am a little like a swan. I glide, um, and then and then I'll look back and go, oh goodness, um, lot, lots lots was happening. But but um, would you have it any other way? No, no, I wouldn't. Um, it's uh, I, I do sit, I do think it's a bit of a superpower of mine because I think I can I can just get on with stuff, and I, I need I need the pace, I need the change. Actually, I need the something always going on the turbulence. Um, creates a creates a good environment for me actually I feel it's when I'm at my best wow so t- tell us a little bit about that I mean when you talk about swanning as it were I mean how does how does that work I mean how are we how are we able to sort of learn from that what, what's give us some of your top tips 
Well, do you, do you know what? I um, I first kind of started um, thinking about the swan analogy um, when, when I realised how much I love retail. When I started um, doing my Saturday job at Marks and Spencer in the food hall, um, at like so that's another retailer that we could tick off. <laughs> another another retailer you could tick off, yeah. Um, and um, and I also I do count Tesco in there, even though it was for Dunhamby. Um, so so that's 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 the other one. Um, and and I think what I really loved about it was that behind the scenes, it is like. The, the legs kicking, absolutely kicking. But on the surface, it's about presenting that kind of smooth gliding image. And that has always stuck with me ever since I kind of th- thought of it. And, and that's how I kind of, um, that's how I suppose I think of um, myself um, as a leader when I'm at my best, um, is that, um, that the kind of, uh, Actually, I've always been told I've not got a very brilliant poker face, but actually I, uh, I, I, I'm I, kind of, I'm, I'm together. Well, um, th- there might be a hell of a lot going on up here and, and in the background. Um, and um, I, I think I, 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 I set a lot of stall in that, actually. And, and actually moving to the virtual world, and although we're kind of back in hybrid now, that, that's been a, a thing in itself, hasn't it? Because it is literally you on the screen um, and, and everything else can be going on around you. Um, and actually the multitasking that happens these days is another kind of legs kicking under the surface, I think. Um, so actually finding a way to organise yourself and manage that, um, but still come across as the kind of, you know, bouncy person is, uh, is, is quite a thing, I think, very important. Yeah, somebody said to me a long, long time ago, make it look easy. Uh, and I think that is a thing, but both for your own, probably for your own progression, but also for the the, the confidence of your team in you as a leader. So um, so you're, you're probably born for retail, really, because it is that ultimate and fast-paced environment. So I suppose, is it very deliberate that you've plotted a career in a retail environment? Um, at the- I think I don't know that it was deliberate to start with. I mean, it was literally the Saturday job at MS kicked it off. Um, and I think I knew quite quickly. I can remember as you know, kind of going through A levels and making choices about university. I I knew, I just knew it needed to be a retail management degree. Um, I didn't even consider anything else, actually. And and over the years I've looked back and kind of thought, you know, why don't why didn't I do law or why didn't I do sociology or things other things that interested me, but it was just that absolute impulsive instinct, actually, it's retail and and uh, and that's what I go for. So I suppose in some ways it was deliberate because um I uh yeah, I, I I've relentlessly applied in the early part of my career. It was all it was re- it was relentlessly to, to every single retailer going for a grad scheme job. Um, and I think I was quite taken early on versus some of my friends at university who um, were going for other types of jobs. I loved the structure um, that um, was kind of, I suppose, part of the approach in terms of here, here are the core competencies um, and you need to have these core competencies. And if you've got those, then actually they're incredibly transferable. And that just felt like, um, and I've, I've never really thought about that before, actually, but that I think provided me with the structure I probably needed. Um, and, and, and that's how I've always viewed retail is actually I've got a set of core competencies that 
are incredibly transferable, but the retail side of it is what I like because just the the fast-paced nature of it um, appeals. And, you know, I started, I, I, did, I did the Sainsbury's grad scheme in store, the kind of trainee, trainee manager scheme. And, um, and I absolutely adored that because it was, it was the behind the scenes and you go out and you're, you know, you're on show. Um, but actually I've, I've kind of found, found my place in, um, in more of a support office function um, in, in marketing because you still get the, you still get the fast pacedness, but um, I think the creativity is, is what I crave as well. And, and that's kind of what I've, I've found over time, but, it is it is retail that appeals for, for sure, and I think that is that snappiness. You know, Mel, it's interesting because I think that the perfect training ground, even for every marketer, should tend to actually be on the front line in retail for a stint in time. Because how do you how do you genuinely understand the voice and be the voice of the customer if you're not in the cold face of it and understand the issues that take place and and as you say, perhaps some of the chaos that that infuses in those sort of retail environments. Uh, um, yeah. Well, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Actually, I just um, I think I think there was so much stall put in me when I went into support office roles because I was able to talk about that on the ground experience, um, and it, it's it's kind of stood for a lot throughout my career. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, tell us, go on, Mark. I was gonna, I was going to say, um, I I'd, I'd love to. You said two things which really have stood out that you you sort of thrive on turbulence but you need the structure now to some people would say well how do you sort of reconcile the two but I, I I have an inkling that there's that's really what it's all about isn't it you need those two things simultaneously to thrive is that is that about yeah right? I, I think so because I think when you don't have or for me when I don't have some structure then I think, and, and I've, I've learned this more recently, I think as I've had, a, a, you know, my ADHD diagnosis, I, if I don't have any structure, then my brain won't function in, in the best way possible. If I've got some structure, um, and I can create my own structure, um, it, take, it, takes, it takes me some time, but if I've got some structure, then, um, then, then, then off I go. And actually... Um, I think if you've got a turbulent environment and it feels chaotic because there isn't any structures, then that's when the that's when it can be quite mind blowing. No, no I, I can relate wholeheartedly there to that one, Mel. Running a small organisation, I'm not sure if I ever get structure and uh, certainly turbulence most of the time. But um, Mel, let me let me rewind a little bit. Of course, you you know you got into retail and what have you, but perhaps tell us a little bit about growing up. What was it like? Oh. Um, well, I think, I mean, we, we moved actually quite a lot as, as children. Um, our family moved quite a lot with my, with my dad's job. So I didn't, um, I, I probably didn't create a massive base um, of, of friends because we kind of moved from, from, from town to town um, over time. And, and so I think um, I probably um, was quite comfortable uh, being on, being on my own from quite an early age. So I, you know, I, I you know, I, uh, I I made friends, but I um, I, I equally would um, just when we moved on, I, I also kind of moved on, and so I think actually um, 
probably that has led to me being quite highly adaptable. Um, I always wanted to be doing stuff. So I think you'd you'd have me disappear all day and no one would know where I was because I was always out and about, um, probably with lots of energy to burn off. Um, And... um, I got a job as soon as I could that's what I remember was just you know try trying to earn, earn some money and uh and have just things that were in, of interest really um yeah I mean it, a very a very kind of normal childhood I think um and and probably just kind of went and did what everyone else did. I didn't have any kind of grand ambitions to to do anything. I kind of went to school, A-levels for the next thing after GCSEs, um, and then everyone was kind of applying for degrees. So I, I suppose I didn't really have a have a view. So in some ways I kind of fell into things, but I can also look back and say, but actually the things that I did go for were absolutely just the things that were passion points for me um, at the time, um, and, and I kind of stuck with them. It's uh, interesting. You make it sound like it's very, very normal, and you fell into things, and so. But clearly, you've had a lot of success, and so there must be an underlying drive and ambition, I guess. So, what, what do you think really fires your success? Um, there, there is definitely an underlying drive, um, and and I've I've reconciled this over over time actually because. Um, whenever I had to fill in a form or have a conversation, um, certainly earlier in my career about my, am I ambitious, I would always kind of say, not particularly, no, I don't, I don't really have any particular ambitions. Um, and, and, and I would always be challenged on it, actually, really, you know, really, because you, you know, you're, very, you're very clear about what you want and where, you know, where you're going. Um, but I think, I genuinely think that drive just comes from just I think it's just a, a, an underlying need to do um and and um, be involved and um I think the way my mind works is I I, I make I make lots of connections and so this will feel very natural to do this and then well what about this and, and what about this and so I think it happens quite organically um, and so I, you know, I, I suppose for many people that would be described as ambition. I suppose I just never thought I had that underlying ambition, but it comes more from that. Just keep the drive going and keep it going. Um, and uh, and I think it comes from just a, a sense of of wanting to be involved, having an interest, and 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 probably not sitting still very much at all. <laughs> Well, maybe it, it certainly comes through with the with the the range of organisations that you've worked with. Um, I'd like to dig that dig into that a little bit because there's clearly a a tussle and a tension that people go through as to whether they kind of remain in organisations for a longer period of time or whether they actually should get a good cross section of experience with different companies. And clearly, you've gone down one route versus the other. I'd just like to kind of maybe get your take on that as to maybe the motivations for that and and perhaps what what, what the benefits of that have been. Well, so I think um, again, I didn't. It, it, I, I didn't set out for it to be to be like that. Actually, I think um, you know, certainly in the early part of my career, um, you know, I mean, so it's it's funny, isn't it, how things set you on a certain path? Because I was with Safeway and I loved Safeway, and then Morrison's bought Safeway, and Morrison's moved up north, and I didn't want to move up north, and I suppose that probably made me 
I learned quite early on that I could be relatively blasé about, well, this happened, you know, a redundancy happened. There was, there was, and, and it was what it was. So I suppose that's probably set, set me on a certain um, view of the world. Um, and, 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 you know, then I, uh, then I, I was at Dunhumby and I really did enjoy Dunhumby and I, I um, will always be um be grateful for the grounding that gave me in customer um and customer and, and that's tesco influence as well actually but with that customer data view and really thinking from a be, that behavioral perspective as as is a kind of a founding pillar i think of, of how i think um but then i think after that i actually had quite a long time at sainsbury's and i think Probably if I if I look back now and then I look at some of the moves that have, have been kind of subsequent um, kind of following following that is is that actually that was probably a period of time where um, with hindsight, ADHD started playing more of a role um, and, uh, and not always actually um, in, in, in the best way, because I think um, you know, if I, look, looking back, I think that sometimes um, the way that I thought didn't always fit with some of the people that I worked with. And actually, um, that has definitely played a part in some of the moves that I've made. But equally, I am very proud of the kind of experience I've got of different organisations. And I wouldn't necessarily change it because I have I have felt and experienced quite a range of cultures um, and I'm very clear about what I like and what doesn't work for me so well um, and I do sometimes look at people who've been in an organization for a long time with with envy actually because I also think wow if you find that place and it really works for you then that kind of sense of belonging and family I think is phenomenal and and actually, I have experienced that too in organisations, but um, but just not had that kind of kind of longevity in terms of feeling it and experiencing it. So I don't I don't think there's a there's there's a right or a wrong. What I would say is I have experienced people who've worked in organisations for a long time, and I do think that you know I think that they have to be aware of what else is going on out there because otherwise I think you can have only one way of doing it and one perspective. Um, and I, I've definitely joined organisations that have had a lot of people who've been there for a long time. And, and it's, it is harder to change the culture of a team when that is the case. It's harder to get them to think in a, in a new way or, or a broader way. Um, and so it's a balance of both, isn't it, really? Um, I think... In the end, it's about um, having having a having a broad mind, um, and I think, like I say at the beginning, because I was grounded in, well, this job no longer exists because Morrison's is moving up north. I think that that probably broadened my mind to thinking, well, then there are lots of different places out there, and I can I can go and experience different places. What what a wonderful attitude! Um, most people will be made redundant at least once in their life. Yeah. Uh, and at the time, it feels like the world has caved in, but genuinely, it can be a great springboard into new adventures. So thanks for talking to that. The 
The, I've skirted around a little bit. You've raised it. I, I did want to talk a bit about your journey with ADHD. We've had, um, uh, by the way, already, I think this has been a fantastic advert for neurodiversity, What you, already what you said, um, which I, I'm a huge proponent of. And, um, that, you know, there needs to be more normalised conversation around um, yeah. neurodiversity. But t- tell us a bit about, about your journey so far, Mel. Well, I think, I mean, it, it, it literally started right at the beginning of 2021 um, when um, when uh, my nephew um, was diagnosed with um, a, a, a number of um, um, learning um, learning disabilities, um, and um, one one of the kind of one of the uh, things that he was was on his diagnosis was ADHD. Um, and so I started reading about all of these um, different uh, diversities, uh, neuro- neurodiversities. And as I, as I read more about ADHD, I was kind of like, oh, I do that. And I do that. And mm, oh, I do that. And I read, I read more and more. And there was an article um, that I stumbled across um, in The Guardian called The Lost Girls, um, Chaotic and Curious. Um, um, that they they kind of the missed red flags that haunt them, and um, I read that and um, had quite an emotional reaction to it actually because it essentially described <laughs> described my life, um, which was um, you know as as a kid always on the go, all you know highly energetic and and that was never enough. Um, and probably quite emotional with it as well, um, in terms of an emotional roller coaster, um, all the way through to actually being um, what would be seen as a high achiever at work, um, but having to constantly work in order to keep up, stay on top, um, but almost not realizing that you're doing that until you get to the point where um, it, it, it's, it's pretty much burnout because um, you, you're never switching off. Um, and I think from there, I, I, I just I read and I read and I read and um, w- was just absolutely determined that this 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 was me. Um, and so um, I, I went and got myself a. A private diagnosis because I I did go to my GP who told me there was a 17 month waiting list for an assessment. Um, and fortunately, um, I was I was able to um, pay for myself privately. Um, and I suppose from there, the relief actually was phenomenal. Um, and actually, I think it's just it's made me for the first time um in in my adult life it was 40 I was 43 when I was diagnosed um really actually accept myself for who I am um and I already feel like I am reaping the benefits in terms of um how I turn up and show up not that I wasn't authentic before um but I feel like I'm far more grounded in who I am now um and um it doesn't mean that I don't still have challenges. So I've actually chosen to um, take medication, um, which um, essentially 
balances out the um, or helps to not regulate the dopamine um, in 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 my brain so that it's not kind of in, so boom and bust. Um, and what that means is that um, I have more um, ability to organise uh, myself, my thoughts. Um, but um, I think probably it's more than anything, it's given perspective. It, it helps me with perspective because it essentially it works and it slows down time. So there's just more time to uh, think and make choices. And it doesn't mean that I don't still have some challenges. Um, and for me, and, and I think it's different for everyone, but for me, um, I am a superpower of mine is being able to verbalize and articulate um, my thoughts. But if I have to take those thoughts and write them down, it still takes me quite a long time to organize my thoughts. But had I said it to someone, I've done it, um, and it and I've got it out there. So I, I am I am still learning how to navigate some of that. Um, but in knowing it, it's given me super strength and belief in myself. Um, and because I'm no longer beating myself up for some of those things, I guess it's as simple as that. Um, but also, I think the, the bit that. I've absolutely loved about this is it's also um, I suppose helped me identify my superpowers which is definitely language that I've only really come across as I've learned that I am um, not a neurotypical um, I'm neurodivergent um, and um, and that is you know this I suppose this kind of it's a good feel it's a and I, I struggle to articulate it, actually, but I feel creative. I feel language. I feel design. Um, and um, I think that's the bit that makes me really good, actually, at the, the kind of the advertising side of my role. Um, I, it, that, that's something I enjoy, but it's, it's something that I think I've got this really inherent kind of um creativity around um and and actually i was speaking to um um our um creative director at lucky generals our ad advertising agency um he's not he's not been um um diagnosed with adhd but believes he, he has and is very open about that um and actually he and i bound so well off each other in those kind of conversations um, because our, our minds jump and work in, in the same way. So I think that feels like I've gone on a meandering journey there um, because um, there have been challenges along the way and I feel like I've made it sound um, like it, it, it's, it, it's all brilliant and hunky-dory now. Um, but I think fundamentally it's, it, it's kind of the journey has all been about, it's made sense of my entire life. Um, and... Uh, and, and as I said, giving me that kind of um, just fundamental self-belief that I've, I think I see so many other people have. And, uh, and, and I've always kind of wondered why, why I haven't had it. Mel, honestly, thank you for, for really just sharing that. Um, and I'm genuinely so pleased that you've reached this point because I like mm. you said, the, 
the meanderingness must have taken a long, long time. As you say, you've reached this point only in at, at this, you know, at, at this moment in your life. Um, so there must have been so many questions that you just had, you know, during the course of your early stage and your early days in your in your life that you just perhaps couldn't get to grips with, and now you know why and what. I mean, it's just incredible. And and I'm sure lots of people listening into this might kind of go, wait a minute, am I? I can relate to this. Like, am I kind of, you know, giving doing myself a disservice right now by not investigating this area further? Yeah. So it's absolutely, it's it's really, really kind that you would you would share that. Um, I want to ask you, and I know before we even started the conversation, you, you already said that, you know, we start early mornings here, but you said that you've already been doing, you know, you already started a couple of hours ago. And to that extent, always on. And then you mentioned, you know, the problem with that is, of course, it leads to the flip side, which is burnout. Um, and I just wonder if if there is a how do you reconcile those two? Because you clearly still, as by your own admission, maybe that's your alarm going off there. It was. <laughs> um, by your own admission, you know, you talk about um, you know the fact that you're always on. But then, how do you avoid burnout? Um, so I think that I think what I have learned is that. I am much better these days at knowing my limits. Um, and I think that's that's possibly just an age thing to a degree as well. Um, but I think I, uh, I, I make sure that I, I have some downtime and that might be on a Sunday, I am staying in bed until you know until I, I I feel like getting up actually um, whether that's awake or asleep so, so I don't have a kind of a set routine in the way that I do it because I don't necessarily need it kind of on a daily basis as, as I know some of my my kind of friends and colleagues do but I think I just I'm much better at listening to myself these days. Um, and I also have an amazing husband who will ever, every so often kind of sit on my shoulder and point out that I might be getting up to here and I probably need to um, take, take it down a notch. So, um, and, and then the other thing is, and, and um, up until recently, I've been fairly good at doing it, um, running is my I suppose meditation because I have tried I've actually tried meditation on many occasions because I, I I actually believe in the science behind it and and there's quite a lot that shows it can help someone with um a, an ADHD brain I just struggle with it but running is 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 the is the thing that kind of helps me switch off process um and it's often the time when I, I will often stop and email myself mid-run because it's the time when all my uh, thoughts will kind of, um, you know, just coalesce, come together um, because I'm, I'm, I've kind of I've sw- switched myself down a bit. So it, it's very much I, I, I just respond when I need to these days and recognise it more than I used to. Um- now, Mel, I want to talk a little bit about bravery. It was a brave moment to stand up at that waffle dinner and say what you said, um, but it leads to opportunity and the dot, dot, dot is obviously we're here and you're telling your story. Um, so I want to find out, what are some of the braver things that you've done in your career? Hmm. I think, um, I think actually, um, probably the bravest thing I've done is recognising and acknowledging that 
a, a, a job that I'm doing or, or, or an organisation I'm working in isn't right for me. Um, and, and, and probably stepping off that cliff, as I, I've kind of called it in the past, is, um, it, it is and, 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 um, and also not necessarily with something to go to, go to because it's just felt like the right thing to do. Um, and, and it kind of does hark back to what I said before. It, it's funny how some of your earlier career experiences shape you, but I think that that whole experience of essentially everyone in Safeway head office being made redundant probably um, set me up for a certain view of the world. Um, and um, I've kind of um, a little bit of a mantra that um, um, I have is this too shall pass. And therefore um, I suppose it always feels better to be in control and take control of something um so it, it, it's it's more from that that kind of angle I suppose rather than anything that I feel like I've done that is brave in terms of some marketing work um per se now we're coming to the end of the segment now and uh perhaps the last question I would love to just ask what do you think you'd like your legacy to be um if you'd asked me that a year ago, I wouldn't have had an answer, I don't think. But um, I am I am really clear that I, on, as the, on the journey that I am going on um, with ADHD, is I, I really want to champion um, neuro, neurodiversity in, I think, in the organisations I work in, but more specifically within the... Um, the kind of the marketing industry and the advertising industry um and 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 i suppose shift perceptions um probably in the more corporate environment that there is one way of being and thinking um that means you have to write things in a certain way or do things in a certain way and actually it's about cultural ad rather than cultural fit um I think uh, I feel so passionately about it and I think interestingly the more you get into the advertising side of marketing I think the more neurodiversity is already becoming and is an uh, is more accepted because I think actually um it's it's a place where people with a new neurodiversity often find themselves but I would love to draw on that and actually I, I'd love to kind of make that uh, that kind of connection and network um, for for people. And I mean, you know, Mark, you mentioned um, Jeremy um, before before we started this, but I think kind of joining those dots and being being a big part of that would be something I'd be incredibly proud of. And um, so you should, and so you will. And if you want any help on that crusade. Um, personally happy to to be involved uh, it, it's been brilliant to have you on Mel um, it's uh, personally I've really enjoyed your candor and honesty and insight uh, and so I'm just going to do a bit of a recap of the things that I've taken away um, so it was really interesting to hear about what what might not make sense but makes absolute sense about the need for structure and turbulence simultaneously in helping to get the best out of you and your brain um, there's there's a 
very much an undercurrent of humility. You know, I fell into this and this was all quite normal. But, you know, let's remind ourselves, you're marketing director of the co-op and you've had an illustrious career in retail marketing. So that's that's a, a lovely side to you. Um, we talked a, a bit about redundancy and how you took it in your stride. This too shall pass. I think that's a great message to normalise what can sometimes be seen as a taboo subject. And, and of course, we've talked about ADHD and the connections, the possibilities, um, you, the way that you feel creative the way that you feel things that underlying instinct uh, and with that a greater self-acceptance I think that's probably the big thing that comes out of this you seem at peace I didn't know you when you weren't at peace with yourself but it seems like you're very much are much more so than perhaps you were uh, self-acceptance and belief um, and it's again I'll say it's this is a great advert you are a great advert for the fact that not for everybody but for many people neurodivergence neurodiversity it does bring superpowers to help people to be exceptionally successful, but in their own way and on their own terms. And so I'm uh, very, very grateful for the time you've given us this morning, Mel. So that's my wrap. Over to you, Richie. Just want to see how inspired I think the session has been, to be honest with you, Mel. It's, it's been incredible. Okay. Your, 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 your ability to just be so down to earth and just be truthful about your feelings. Um, is really rare, quite frankly, in today's world from, from leaders like yourself. Um, people will kind of be kind of listening into this and going, you know, I don't hear this from, from anybody at the top, really. And so it's just really nice to, to, that, that you've been so honest about, about everything. And I, I really hear you about the meditation thing, by the way. I, I too, a really big jogging buff. And it, it struck me when, when you were saying that, I just I thought I'd add that maybe you should try doing walking meetings. I don't know if you do. But walking meetings are so therapeutic as well in being able to yeah. kind of continue with that flow um, as it was. And that's been really helpful to me as, as part of my journey in this, in this way. So, but nevertheless, look, it's been absolutely brilliant. And I really wish you all the best in, in that uh, building of the legacy, as it were. Um, I think it's a really worthwhile cause. So thank you. Thank you very much. And I am I'm going to give walking meetings another go, Richie. <laughs>